G'day everyone and welcome to the first episode of the Australian Herpticulture Podcast. I'm your host Jason. And my name is Luke. So how are you doing Jason? Good mate, good. We're finally doing it, eh? Yeah, we've been talking <laughs> about it for like the last week or so now and uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this came around real quick I reckon. Super quick, super quick. Mad rush, buy a microphone, set a webcam up. <laughs> Computer crash last night. Oh man, yeah. stress levels for the roof. Yeah. Plus your family getting gastro and stuff as well. I was kind of going, oh no, I hope you don't get that. And then we have to pull the plug on the first one. And yeah, I'm sure she'll love to hear that too. She'll listen. Yeah. She'll like, oh, why did you have to sell on everyone that? Well, you know, <laughs> got to have truth. some juicy content. Got to have yeah, exactly. some juicy content. Exactly. So yeah, we're uh, you know. We're all in it for the long haul anyway, so you're going to hear the exactly day-to-day right. in these these podcasts. So Exactly. Yeah. So what's exactly. been happening? You're allowed to keep reptiles again. Yeah, so I got the okay from the missus after uh, getting rid of everything recently, and then she shared the link to the podcast and said, I guess this means we're getting reptiles again. So, <laughs> Wasn't it only a few months ago that I actually bought your last reptiles off you? Pretty much, yeah. yeah Pretty much. Yeah, month, no, no. Uh, six months ago maybe. Yeah, November, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, six, seven months ago, yeah. Mistaken. Yeah, I got those That was literally the skins. last I had, yeah. Yeah. The last I had, and then you had a runner. Yeah, that was really exciting. Yeah. I remember I got them early, early that morning, went and met you at the train station at what, like 6 a.m. or something like that, and I was like, oh, man, these are so cool, these little guys. And, uh, yeah, Coop came around that day to, to film a video, and I got one out so he could try to get a bit of a close-up, and, yeah. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. They're cool little Managed critters, to drop it. Yeah. Awesome little skinks, that's for sure. But yeah, they're like little monitors. Hate. Yeah, they're like little monitors, oh, but they they hide a lot. When when you were telling me, you were like, you know, these things are like Illinois, like they're quick. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tiny little skink that doesn't need any heat. Sure, they're quick. You know, I'm thinking about monitors. I'm thinking, you know, 60 degree basking spot. You know, little race goannas. No, this thing did the bolt on me, and I ate my words, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, and so, I down there, I never kept them on heat or anything. I just kept them like a typical rainforest setup, but lightning quick. Yeah. I don't even know where they get their energy from. Hey, like it's, yeah, it must be similar to a Boyd's in that sort of sense where you just don't need to, you know, uh, what's the term? I can't think of the term, but, you know, they don't actually, they kind of just roll with the ambient temperature that they're kept at almost and they can just utilize what energy they're given. So, yeah, I know there's an actual term for it, but I can't think. Yeah. I know I'm not exactly the best scientist. So, I'm just a sparky <laughs> mate. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I've not long been off the tools either. So, no, oh, mate, I can't wait for the day, but then I'll miss it too. Knowing my house, that would definitely be it. It would just be my luck yeah. too. Well, not here. I never never fed Woody's because my wife, Kim, doesn't like cockroaches. So oh, mate, I have to if buy I have crickets to... all the time. It's not a bad thing. I mean, I hate crickets, but at the same time, I have to wear this gigantic Bane mask now if I'm wearing Woody's because I've definitely de- developed that <laughs> allergy or whatever to them. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Hey, like I went to an ENT. Well, just a bit yeah. of a side story and a bit of a, you know, out of here. Um, went to an ENT, freaking out. You know, my sinuses haven't been clear for a year and uh, did like all the allergy tests, all that sort of bits and pieces, blood tests, all the rest of it. I came up not allergic to anything but white fish. I was like, this is so bizarre because anytime I, like I've done the cockroach allergy test, I've done the dust test yeah. and all the rest of it, nothing. Didn't come up at all. And I'm like, well. Either your test's lying or my nose is lying to me. So yeah, now I just wear this giant bane mask whenever I'm using these using these feeder roaches. <laughs> Looks awesome. Oh, that's yeah, I bet. <laughs> I think I, is that the one same one you use when you do your backgrounds? 
that you've got. Yeah, on your same YouTube. one. I just swap out the cartridges, whether it's like a vapor or a dust mask style one or whatever. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it looks great. You know, and the neighbors think I'm a weirdo dealing with cockroaches with this giant mask on. But you know, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, at least you're keeping safe though. You don't want to be inhaling that stuff and right. your lungs. No, not long term. And I've heard of plenty of guys getting respiratory issues because of these things. And yeah, it is what it is, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it's pretty big in the States, I've heard too, because they've got a whole bunch of different types of roaches they can feed, unlike us. Yeah, so. yeah we've only got the one, really. Well, I, that's a lie. I get those um, those house cockroaches that come into my woody colony and, and breed in there with them. So I have some of those giant ones running around in there every now and then, which I usually feed out to the, the frill neck and whatnot. Um, yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, we'll see how we go there. Um, How's the YouTube going? Oh, Loving man, it? it's going well. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a fair bit of work, hey. I'm not going to lie. For any, like any listeners out there, Luke, check out Luke's YouTube. If you are new to the hobby, been in the hobby, want to get into the hobby, and you want to learn how to do basic enclosure builds, background builds, check it out because he's got some unreal how-to videos on how to build all that stuff. It is a wealth of knowledge on there and there's endless hours that you can watch get lost in the old youtube rabbit hole yeah what's your youtube channel beaches scaly beasts yeah beaches scaly beasts yeah it's um i think i'm about to hopefully crack 2200 subs sometime in the next 24 48 hours something like that so yeah it's pretty pretty good i don't even know how i ended up in it like all of a sudden i just started making videos of me doing diy stuff around the house and mucking around and Next thing you know, you kind of have to really up your game and yeah, going, oh, geez, there's a thousand people watching this now. I better do something <laughs> a bit bit better, edit videos a bit better, you know, start getting some good music and stuff in there. So, yeah, that's good fun. That's a good thing. Fun. That's a good thing these days, though, with social media and YouTube is if you're new to the hobby, you can just type in basically anything you want and everything is at your fingertips. Yeah. If you don't yeah. know how to keep something, you can Google it, you can join a Facebook group, you can check out instagram you can check out youtube and you can get pointers basically from anyone experts that have kept for 20 30 years even longer you can get info off those guys whereas i mean when i started there was still um forums and everything so i still had i was still kind of lucky it was all still the same stuff but now literally you send a message and someone responds almost instantly if they're on their phone I still, I still enjoy going onto that. What was it Aussie Pythons or whatever? That Aussie old forum, Pythons. Whatever, I think that, yeah. that's still going, is it? Yeah, I, it, it is still I, going. Yeah, I remember because I, I was trying to find some heat panels um, that I used to use for my green tree pythons. <laughs> you and the rest of Australia, <laughs> man, I, you can't get them anywhere. I don't know no. what. I don't know what the go is. Is yeah. it, it, the, I can't remember what company they were. There was Pro Herb, um, Pro Herb. And then yeah. there was a company in Australia that had them. They had a black trim and a white thing. I cannot find them anywhere. Yeah, ProHerp was the one that I was using up until, yeah, man, I think it's been maybe a couple of years or something since I've bought a, uh, a heat panel now. But, yeah, uh, there's certainly a gap in the market for any sort of Australia, you know, reptile product maker out there. And I, I've actually been hitting up a few of the, the um, suppliers through work going, you need to start making these things. Like there's a, there's a hole in yeah. the market. There's a lot of guys that need these things. and. Because yeah, so they people. are one of the, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So there's just so many people like, you know, wanting them. You see it all over the green tree python pages and stuff like that. And yeah, I'd, I'd just pick them up for the sake of having some spares. They're one of the best heat sources I found, mainly for green tree pythons. But if you've got humidity in the enclosure, you don't have to worry about anything really. 
you don't have to worry about water getting in anything, especially if you've got misking systems like most of our stuff had. Yeah. You don't have to worry about the moisture getting into the electrical side of things and shorten things out. Yeah. Different world, hey. Now, you've been talking to talking to somebody about getting an enclosure for some critters. Why don't you enlighten us a yeah, little bit what your plans a, are? I saw a guy because I've, I've always I've loved the exoterra enclosures, but they've got their limitations. And since my wife said I'm allowed to get some reptiles, I thought I'd look at enclosures. She's probably sitting there going, <laughs> no, you are not doing this. <laughs> um, some PVC enclosures, so... I thought yeah, I'd check them out and see what they're like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, see what they're like because the exoterras are good, but I sold all my enclosure. I sold everything. So I'm literally starting from scratch. Yeah. I'm excited to watch this process though because like, I'm seeing this rack. For the listeners at home, there's this racket rack behind Jason and it's just got some sort of like, you know, storage goods on there and whatnot. But uh I reckon in, in due course, he might have a couple of nice-looking bioactive enclosures behind him there, and he'll be looking nice and have pretty. an interesting conversation with my wife when this podcast <laughs> drops. Uh, I'm going to be a bad influence on you. I'm going to guarantee hey, that. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. My yeah. son is, <laughs> is two, and I showed him a picture because I think the way I can get, I could get them is show him pictures, get him interested. He's obsessed with dinosaurs, so... Yeah, you know well, that helps. Most people here, the natural progression is dinosaurs, reptiles. I showed him a picture of. So what we do is we go for a walk down on the because the lake's probably like a seven minute walk. So his thing now is he's obsessed with dinosaurs and crocodiles. Awesome. So basically, every time we go for a walk down to the lake, we've got to go to the water and look for crocodiles. So we don't call it let's go for a walk. It's go let's go look for crocodiles now. So oh, showed him a picture awesome. of a boy's forest dragon. He goes, he called it a spinosaurus. So I was like that. That's pretty good. We'll, we'll go with that, mate. We'll call it Spinosaurus, and you tell mum you want a Spinosaurus. So. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. So, yeah, no, it's good. Having kids is unreal. So, so I'm going to give you a quick plug here, mate. So for those of you that don't know Jason, he is uh, the owner of a Facebook page called The Gecko Effect. And in the past, you specialized in things like leaf-tailed geckos, some strop species, chameleon geckos, kind of more like your rainforest sort of animals. And if you guys have a chance, go and check him out on Facebook and Instagram. I know we'll give you all these plugs at the end too, but Jason was a big influence on me on my kind of bioactive uh, progression, I suppose you could say. And you definitely helped me out, mate, because you you hooked me up with my first Miss King system and a stack of exoterra enclosures as well. And and on top of that, I think I bought most of your last animals. I got your your last lot of leafies and yeah. yeah. Man, that was a rabbit hole. Yeah. As soon as you put those things on my hand, I was like, this is going downhill quick. <laughs> and it did. And it yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and now here we are. Oh. I can see you getting some karma back on me. So Yeah. I think I owe you that at the very least, right? You know, <laughs> I think You've so. given me this OCD bug for everything matching and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah. Oh, man. I can't wait to see where you go with the space that you've been given. Yeah. So it'd be an interesting conversation. She said to me the other day, she goes, because I was down here hooking the mic up and the webcam, she's like, if I go down to the shed now, am I going to see 14 enclosures filled with reptiles? I go, no. And then I thought in my head, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. That's the so, key word, yet. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Watch but, this space. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's going to be a fun conversation the next, when this drops, it's going to be hilarious, so. So I won't tell her about some certain animals that you've already got in the works then. 
she knows about the frogs. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that was she on knows the about them. Yet. No, no, yeah, she knows cool. about them. She, I showed her the pictures of them. She's like, they're cool. She goes, yeah. if the house is bigger, you could keep them in the house. I go, you say that now until mating season comes along. Mating season? They're all boys. They oh, yeah, exactly. A, they get into There's, a little chorus. And don't stop. They're not too bad, but I reckon if you chuck oh, a Miss King right. on a few times a day, yeah, you might get a bit more yeah. activity out of them. Yeah, you can so actually hear we'll, them. We've got a little um, little bush probably, I'd say, 100 metres down the road, and you can you can hear them like from my place when they get going. Yeah, wow. Is it's that close? Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. Yeah, about 100 metres, yeah. It's basically just down the road, so. Yeah. And, and that's the red-eye tree frogs, or is that I'm a pretty sure it is? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I've, I don't know if. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. That, I'm pretty sure it is. I'd have to check the frog ID app. Well, next time they go, I might wander down there and just. That's like actually a good app if um, anyone has kids and loves frogs. Is Frog ID? You can basically, if you hear the frog calling, you can hit record, and it will send that um, recording off to. Um, um, are they PhD students or are they? Um, I'm, not, I'm not actually sure. I'm not sure, but it's basically it sends a recording off to someone and they ID the frog just from the record. And then what it does is I'm pretty sure that it uses, you can use your um, GPS location, I think, yep. and it will tag that location of where the frog was found. Not that it won't yep. display that you were here, you, this person, but I think it actually, then they use that information to build a like a map basically, like a distribution map of all the species of frogs and where they're found, how often they're found. And, you know, you might get the odd, you know, you look at the distribution maps and their range, say it's stopped at Sydney. You might find that it's actually a little bit further than Sydney. It might be like, you know, the northern beaches, well, that's still part of Sydney, but you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure it does that. Um, I think, I think. I'm about 90% sure. But it's actually a really cool app. It's and free too, I believe. Yeah, it is free. Um, and if you've actually got frogs at home, I can tell you from experience, it's good to stir up your frogs and get a bit of, uh, you know, calling activity out of them too if you're just kind of a bit bored and you want to hear them croak. it's Because uh, you can play all those recordings back to them. So that's all. Ah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Well, you can do what I did. I bought a frog book. I can't remember which one it was. And it actually came with a CD and it had all the frog oh, calls nice. on it. So I put the frog calls on iTunes and then – uploaded the playlist to my wife's phone so she's in the car driving and next minute she can just and she's like what the heck and then as soon as she's like she goes oh comes up she goes did you put that bloody cd on my phone I'm like yeah of course i did that's so, awesome that's awesome man i might but that's the other cd oh, i'll have to find it yeah, I've got the book somewhere. That's the other thing I do. Is I want to set my, i want to set a bookcase up with all my books because that's the other thing is too collecting books you collect books too yeah yeah, I do. Actually, this afternoon, funny that you actually mentioned that. So my the main bookcase in, in the family home here is actually downstairs. And my trouble is, is that I've got all my books downstairs, but when I'm upstairs in bed and, you know, you're kind of just that tired, 20 minutes, you just want to kind of read something and knock out, all my books are downstairs and I'm too lazy to go down there. So I put this like tiny little cube book storage thing on my uh, bedside table. So I've actually brought up a bunch of books Got a few monitor books in there. I've got uh, Scott Iper's new book, actually. He's Snakes of Australia. And I've also got uh, a few different Is that the books. one he just released? It's pretty Is recent. That, or was, that, was, was that a few months ago? And he's about to release another one, I think. I think this one was a few um, months ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I, think, I want to say it was like around Chrissy or something like that. It was, um, so I have a habit of buying the book. I buy two. I buy two copies of every book I buy. One mm -hmm. to read, one to just sit on the shelf. 
And then what will happen is, is say if there's a big release of books, I'll buy a whole bunch of books and then I forget what books I've just bought because they go into like a container because I don't have a bookshelf to store them in and I yep. forget what book I've got. So the latest one I just bought was The Complete Knobtail from Justin Jewelander. Yeah, nice. I actually got that one for Christmas. My my wife actually messaged Justin straight up and snuck one from over in the US over to me. So I, I think I was one of the well, first ones in Australia with it. That's what I said to my wife. I go, don't buy me a birthday present because my birthday's coming up. I said, I've just ordered some books. Just give me them. I'll be happy with them. So awesome. pretty keen to give that one a read. The Green Tree Python one was good. So pretty keen to give this one a, um, a whirl. Yeah, well, Green Tree Python was actually one of the ones that made it upstairs today just because, I mean, I've been showing you pictures. I've been having a little bit of mating activity and stuff. So I think I need to kind of refresh my noggin with a bit of information and stuff on the whole breeding biology of the, the Green Tree Python. So yeah, no, it's pretty good. Pretty exciting to give that one another whirl. Yeah, no, that's a good book, that one. But um, so so is the original, the complete chondro and the more complete chondro. They, they still hold true, but yeah. um, I think I some of them are outdated. Well. But yeah, they're, they're a good collectible anyway. So I think books are one of those things that I'm, I don't think I'd ever give them up. You know, you see all these guys and they actually, you know, down the line or whatever, they give up the books. I think even if I got rid of the reptiles, the books would still be staying here. I had a friend who he actually he got out of reptiles maybe I want to say four years ago or something, maybe even longer. And he was sitting on a stack of those. Oh, what was the magazine? There was the Australian reptile magazine that Troy and Denny. It was uh, scales, Sca- and scales and Tails. Scales and Tails. Yeah, he's like, man, I've got this box of Scales and Tails magazines. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And he's like, do you want them? you serious you're just giving these things away and he's like oh, i've tried selling them locally and nobody's buying them so yeah i'd just rather give them to you and know that Fools. they're going to somewhere that's using them oh, episode not- like episode god what am i talking about <laughs> volume um, one I, I haven't looked at the actual volume names to be quite frank but i reckon there's like a solid 40 magazines there like it's a good good chunk of them a really good yeah, chunk I- of them so i think it's i can't remember i think i'm short a few scales now i did have it written down somewhere which copies i need i need to chase up and try and get the complete set but i've got the complete set of reptiles australia awesome um and i think i'm short a binder though i've got five of the binders um i've got the eye herps i've got all the eye herps that only just stopped recently yep and the reptiles australasia i think they only released two two magazines i believe right it was shannon i think a name shannon plumber that was the last cover picture, and it was a um, I, th- I can't. I think it was a lizard inside, and maybe an embryo or something. I think. Yeah right. Um, I can't remember. But yeah, that was. There's only two. There's only. Oh, let's see if I had the bookshelf. I could show you what one it was. Um, but yeah, that was. There was only two ever released. I think. But um, I've got all those ones. But that's the other thing. Like, some of the books that are out there are absolutely like amazing reads and you can't get them now because they only do the limited number of prints yep and that's it like the uh, the um danny brown books oh they're like gold these days man the price of like i know it's ebay and someone's like i saw the gecko book for twelve hundred dollars the other day yeah the 70 dollar book yeah yep and it's yeah. insane and they've got no interest in doing a, a reprint apparently so i heard recently but but it's crazy because all the information still stands and yeah. well, I believe it still stands. And, you know, there's people that are actually searching for these books. You'd, you'd think that they'd be interested in even doing like a half a reprint or something like that just to get a few numbers back out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it costs to print a book, but surely like no. 
But then, but then the other thing is, if you do the print, then you've got the people like us that collect the books. We're going, but we've got to have the second run of prints, like all the coggers. Oh yeah. How many, like, how many prints? Like, I don't have. I've got a few of them. I don't have many of them. Um, that's probably one thing I do need to get into. Try and find yeah. some of those, um, those cogger books. But man, like, I don't know how many reprints of them every time i'm on that facebook page the australian reptile uh, collectible reptile books i think it is or something like that yeah somewhere um, someone's ones. yeah and someone's like oh i've got this print it's this edition i'm like i didn't realize there was that edition like it's <laughs> insane i didn't realize there was when i first got those books but some of those old books um go for a um, mozza now yeah but, some serious money in books reptile books yeah and i remember the amount of times i've like gone through small towns when i've gone to work or and like that, and stop into the old um, secondhand bookshop, just looking for secondhand reptile books, and that's a bit of a thing now. Like you go there, and they go, "No, I was here two weeks ago and bought all the books." You're like, "Bugger, I wonder what you had." You might have had like yeah. that gem sitting there that's like I could pick up for ten bucks, and it's worth like I don't have it, and it's worth whatever. Like, yep. Not yeah, that funny you enough, but you just keep it for the collection. But yeah, I was actually in um, uh, Alice Springs and around Yulara and stuff at the beginning of February. And while I was out there, I picked up some awesome books as well. But I remember looking at some of those swan books going, do I have that at home? I can't remember if I've got that at home. And my wife, Danny, she's kind of looking at it going, no, you can't buy that now. What if you've got it at home? It's 50 bucks. I almost bought one of them. I can't remember which one it was. It was the one with the, I forget the name of the lizard. It's like a little green gamut on the front of it. And uh, yeah, I went to buy it and she's like, no, you, you can't buy it. Came home, had it on the shelf. I'm like, oh, that saved me 50 bucks. You know, at least that's something. But, yeah, no, I picked up an awesome book while I was out there. It's like a field guide to the Alice Springs and that sort of like surrounding area, which goes through like all sorts of plants, mammals, you know, any sort of living creature that's out there. Basically, it's in this field guide. And I, I kind of took that on as a wealth of knowledge as well as to, you know, relate a lot of my enclosures to and how I'm going to keep my animals and stuff in the future. So, it's really yeah. cool to kind of get that experience. Yeah, so that's one thing I've, I haven't really done much of is herping. As much as I love reptiles, I just never really had the time. Like if I if I'm camping or something, I'll like I'll have a quick squeeze in the bush, but never really gone herping much. Hey, it's something I need to do more. I reckon to get out. It is there good and fun. See a bit more of Australia and see some of these. Like I kept leaf tails, and I've never. Obviously, the Fluorus platurus, yeah, broadtail. I've seen them numerous. They were on my wall where i used to live yeah. but i've never seen any of the um sultuaries in the bush ever like that would be a bucket list it'd be to tick those off photograph yeah. them and chameleon geckos like bucket listing to see in the wild photograph in the natural habitat and do that um but i'd love to take the kids up up like do a trip when they're a little bit older take the take the car up there go up north go to the cape and a bit of herping along the way and i'm sure my son will be into it by the time he's old enough so oh, it sounds like he's on the right track yeah no in my luck i'll be like oh let's go look for a green tree python so i'll spend like a night by myself i find anything i'll bring him out like look daddy there i'm like oh, of course <laughs> you'd find it straight away but yeah he's um yeah, he's a he's a little character eh? so yeah looking forward to that that's one thing i definitely need to do is get out a bit more in the bush and actually photograph some reptiles yeah it is good so, fun i do enjoy actually it. dust the camera off it's um sitting in the cupboard as well so it's another thing time work just work takes up so much yeah unfortunately that's just life right yeah unfortunately life. yeah especially living where i live and then the commute into the city like it's not too bad but i've done it for 
oh, almost 15 years now. So Ouch. when you don't have kids, yeah. like it's, you know, the commute's nothing. It still is nothing really to drive, but it's you come home and all you want to do is spend time with your kids. So that's yeah. why that's the main reason why I got rid of, rid of everything. I just come home and then because I had so many geckos, I was like, come in, clean. Obviously, the bio helped a lot with cleaning, but, you know, your stross and your um, velvet geckos, like just the glass just covered. You have to clean all the glass yeah. and everything else and you just lost time. And basically, I come down. It was not that it was a chore, but, you know, your son's in there and he's playing. You just want to go play with him. So I was like, no. Nah. I'm going to sell everything. And then as soon as I did, I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of regret it. But looking back, I would have done it again just to spend that time with him. But now he's a bit older. He appreciates that those kind of things. Like, um, you know, we go to the reptile park pretty often because it's only 15 minutes from my house. So we go there and he still loves it, like just pointing out all the animals and everything. And he, yeah. So I think that's another thing that, having kids is another thing you can bond with them as well. Like obviously they're yeah. best little mates, but you know, if, if I'm out here, you know, feeding, feeding the Spinosaurus, so he calls them, <sighs> boys, forest dragons, if I get some, um, you know, he can watch and learn. Like it's another thing that he can learn as well and make his little mind grow even more, like teach the next generation of herpers. Yeah. So. That's the one thing that my family were always really good for, you know, like they, they, we always had animals of some variety or something in the house and yep. there was always kind of like a a push to respect nature, I suppose, so to speak. And, yeah. you know, dad, dad on a Saturday night, man, I remember coming home and we'd be watching um, uh, Malcolm Douglas and, you know, the Bush Tucker Man and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yep, yep. I love all those, you know. Like I, yes, I still yep. watch them on my lunch breaks, you know. I'm just like these, these are the kind of videos that just they're timeless, you know. Yeah, so, 100%, yeah. But um, anyway, what what actually got you started in this hobby? Like, basically, oh, yeah. What was your first memory of getting started in keeping reptiles? First memory of keeping reptiles, I would have probably been eleven years old, so you know, year five or so here in Australia. Mum and Dad had just bought a, a, a house not too far from here in uh, Cromer, and it backed onto a place called Red Hill, and basically. It's just like eucalypts and sandstone as far as the eye can see. And that that pretty much turned into, you know, leaf tail territory. So the first kind of reptiles that I was really exposed to were all the platterists hanging off the walls around the house and stuff, screaming at me if I'm poking them and, you know, all yep. the rest of it. So that was probably my first kind of experience where I started, you know, <laughs> as a kid, keeping them in little Tupperwares under the bed, hiding them from mum and dad and, and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, fast forward about 10 odd years and uh, I was in a rental apartment with my wife and had this little Asian house gecko running around the, the house and causing a muck and, you know, I had no idea that it was, a, you know, an import species, so to speak. They're a little bit of a, a pain around here. You know, they're a bit of invasive. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, caught him, kept him in a little critter keeper. It's feeding yep. him crickets and things like that and I was going, oh, it's pretty cool having a gecko. Anyway, Gary the gecko, he decided to do the Harry Houdini and get out of there. So yep. uh, then I started researching, you know, I was like, oh, reptiles for sale and stuff. And then you, know, you bring yeah. it up on the internet, you discover your like classified pages, like I think it was reptiles down under or whatever at the time, the yep. original one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, from there, I started keeping geckos. So I started keeping platterists. Platterists were the first ones that I actually ended up keeping. I got a little 
little group of them. I think I had yep. some uh, lizards, lizards, velvet geckos and velvet stuff geckos, as well. Yep. Oh, yeah, so too, yeah, yeah kind of just started up a little collection like that and then discovered Rick and Knobtail geckos and then it was all downhill basically. So I didn't even think they didn't even know that these things existed in Australia. So yep. it was kind of uh, eye-opening from there. So uh, yeah. Yeah, then, you know, as much as it is today, you kind of end up with a whole different array of animals. I don't think that's really changed for me too much. I'm, I'm interested in pretty much anything and everything. It's got scales. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of a bit of a slippery slope from there. You know, you start breeding a few animals and before yep. you know it, you know, I think at one point in the year I had about or well, close to 200 animals in the garage down Far there. Far so. out. That was like yeah, especially when you start breeding. Yeah, and, yeah, and like you start breeding snakes and dragons, like – Clutches are 20. Like you breed a couple of clutches and, you know, so you're quite easily at that that mark. That's just pythons, not including any, whatever else you kept. Like, Yeah. I was at the stage where I was kind of going, oh, man, I've got all these eggs in the incubator and nowhere to put them when they come out. So, you know, it's kind of like a frantic couple of months of building racks and finding space yep. and like, oh, I can squeeze this rack in here and, you know, that can hold 30 knobtails or whatever. And Yeah, yeah man. It just, yeah, it's spiraled out of control for a bit and I turned into a, a Tupperware keeper, as I yeah, like to think yep. uh, Yeah, I'm pretty that, sure everyone not, has that. Yeah, not that there's anything against Tupperware and, and tub keeping where we're not going to be those kind of guys that bag out on that. But uh, No, it, you know, it has we, its place. You definitely need it, especially for, for hatchies and everything else. Like, Oh, dude, I've still got a snake rack here that's Tupperware, you know? Like, it's, yeah. yeah it's Best it's thing for keeping baby snakes. Yeah. Like, I'm even doing it now just with a couple of hatchling uh, Strophorus tenacorda, the golden golden tail geckos. You know, like yep. I've still got them and those just because I had one of them escape one of the little tiny exoteric cubes and I was like, man, if that's not small enough to keep you in there, I need to do something different. So, Did it get out of the little cable entrance at the back? I have no idea. Hey, I had it all taped shut. Like yeah. I was so cautious about it. Like I have no idea. I came down to the garage and I was looking for him for a couple of days in, in the tank and I'm like, oh, he's got to be in there somewhere. You know, it's a little bioactive tank. So I'm like, he's probably just hiding in somewhere. And I came down to the garage and there he is in the middle of the floor. I'm like, oh man, how lucky am I that he's <laughs> just sitting there? I'm like, yoink, got him back up and yeah. put him into something a bit more secure. That never usually happens. Once they're out, they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's prickly um, forest skinks. <laughs> and prickly forest skink. Yeah. Number, number one prickly forest skink. He's, yeah, I, I, I kind of still hope that I go down there and he just pops his head out of somewhere. And every he's single garden will. skink that I see, I'm like, I'm yeah. double taking them now. I'm like, oh, is that is that the prickly? No. Yeah. Was there a point where you reached like a certain point where like, no, nah, this is too many animals and you kind of cut back or have you still got like a lot? Uh, so I here in Australia, we've got uh, reptile licensing. So I've actually just lodged my keepings for the year and I think – I think I was at 76 animals or something in that vicinity. Yeah. So I've still got a fair whack. Um, but, yeah, I've definitely cut down a lot. Um, and, and it's for multiple reasons, right? Like it's just kind of, you know, as interests change along the way, you know, things yeah, kind of yeah. chop and change here and there. But, uh, yeah, no, I've gotten down into kind of like the 70 to 80 range. And it's I'm trying to provide more for the animals that I have in space and care and you know, environment yep. and stuff like that, like enrichment in the environments and things. So I'm trying to do better as a keeper and kind of further myself a little bit further and provide a little bit more for the animals now. But, yeah, I've got a bit of a just, – just to give everyone a bit of an overview of my collection that haven't had any sort of exposure to my YouTube channel or anything like that, I've got everything from skinks, frogs, colubrids, pythons, turtles, 
dragons, uh, monitors. There's like a, there's a bit of everything there. So yeah, I've got I've definitely got my hand in every every pie, so to speak. So yeah, yeah, no, it keeps me entertained. Do you breed your own rodents, or do you do you buy rodents? I'm very lucky to have a good friend um, that's a couple of suburbs over, essentially that I buy rodents off. He does. Yep. He just does rats. He used to do mice, but now I get the mice through the shop. Nah, yeah, my discounts. Um, but yeah, no, he does. He just does rats, and I did for a period of time breed rodents for food, but I actually couldn't take it. And no, it wasn't just for the physical hardships of breeding rodents, because prior to the whole reptile thing, I actually used to breed show quality rats. So you know, like all different. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, coat, yeah. Like, coat, coat type rats and things like that. So, yeah, I think it's more for the fact that I know how much of a personality some of these rats can actually have. So, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm I know. Yeah. Throw up and then have to put them down and put them into a goanna is a little bit, yeah, a bit, bit much for me to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, these things have to eat. So, I know it's a full circle anyway. But, uh, no, right. I've got a good friend that, that breeds rodents for me. Um, and then I, I breed a few of my wood roaches and I buy bulk crickets through the shop and stuff like that. So. Yeah. 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 What about yourself? How did you get started? Um, well, I got started. So it basically, I don't remember being into dinosaurs. I may have been. My mum will probably correct me. But basically what got me into dinosaurs, not dinosaurs, reptiles, was we had a visit to the Australian Reptile Park when it was in Wyoming. Um, I would have probably been, I'm going to say about five and I still remember the alligator, um, enclosure with all the, the, basically the big pond that was filled with alligators and then they had the reptile show. Um, and I still remember sitting on the wall of the reptile show and at the end they brought around a diamond python and I was only like a little fella and my older brother's next to me and then I my younger brother he probably would have been like a baby and he's just put this big diamond python around my neck and i remember the first thought i was scared but at the same time i was i could feel every single muscle in its stomach like on my neck and i I think that's the picture of me like doing this like with my shoulders up like oh no what's this but at the same time my hands are on i'm kind of like and then i remember walking around the rest of the reptile park and then when we left um we went to the store out the front and I bought a book, like a little little book, and on the front was a green tree python. It's only a thin book. I've still got it. It's been taped up about 30 times when I was younger because <laughs> all the pages have fallen out. Um, I'd love to actually find a good copy. So I've still got that book to this day. Um, That's awesome. And then it wasn't until, like, I didn't realize you could keep them as pets. So my mum scared of snakes, frogs, all that stuff. So never even knew that you could keep them as pets so i never even asked her to keep one as a pet and it wasn't till i would have been about 16 um went around to a mate's place he's like oh i've just got a snake i'm like what a snake like or would you catch in the bush or something it's like nah i've got got like a license and everything because i didn't even know this was a thing so i went around to his house and um here he is first snake he's got a green tree snake and this thing is like hissing we're just like, oh, this thing is so cool and it's musking everywhere. He's got it in his bedroom. His little tank set up in his fish tank in his bedroom. And he used to just sit it on his ceiling fan 
and it used to just hang out on his ceiling fan like for hours, hours on end. And anyway, yes, and then before he'd go to bed, he'd take it off and put it back in the tank. He had that for years, and I remember that first day I went home. I'm like, Mum, I want to get a snake. She's like, No chance. If you want to get a snake, you got to move out. I'm like, Oh, really? So anyway, that went on the back burner, and then it was basically every every weekend or any chance I could. He only lived like probably 50 meters down the road from me. So basically after school, we just cruise around his place, Hado. And um, basically, yeah, we'd get the snake out and hold the snake and feed the snake. And I was just like, even then, like he had, it was a, it was a large fish tank, but he had it set up pretty nice. It was like, he had like bark in the bottom and he had a bit of sand. Obviously we didn't really know what we were doing back then, but he had heat lights and looked like a pretty much like a naturalistic setup. And then one day he came home and the snake was gone, got out the fish tank through the, the lid wow. he made and it was in the bush. So then he went out and got a um, jungle carpet python. I believe yep. it, looking back now, like where even he thought it was maybe cross with coastal, but yep. it got sold to him as a jungle python. And same thing again, we'd go around his house and just sit around with your neck and feed it and, and then I'd keep going home, Mum, I want to get a snake, Mum, I want to get a snake, Mum, I want to get a snake. She's like, no, 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 every time. And then one day... I don't know why she's like, oh, I go, mum, want to get a snake? She goes, okay. And then that was the end of the conversation. And me being me, online, I think I just turned 18 maybe. So, yeah, I think I just turned 18. Oh, no, maybe I was 17 because I'd had my license. Yeah, I was 17. I just got my P plates, filled out the license, got my license like that night. And two weeks, the license got sent. As soon as I got the license number, I was – like that those two weeks i was tracking down jungles i was obsessed with jungle carpet pythons two weeks tracked down a breeder in sydney drove all the way down to penrith i think it was picked up this um montgomery line palmerston because i loved the the flex in it so it was me actually it was my mate joel he um he worked with the guy so he's like oh guy at work to keep snakes i'm like oh awesome is he have jungles he anyway this was before like i think it was back in the msn days and he's like oh i'll ask him and then he goes, yeah, yeah, he says he's got jungle pythons. He's like, you can come down and have a look, he said. So as soon as we found that, I was in the car, had the cash, like asked him how much he wanted for him, had the cash, come home. I bought, a, I think I, I bought an Exoterra uh, 90 by 60 high. So I kept it in an yep. Exoterra. And I was like, oh, this thing's way too big for it. So I ended up getting a little, little Exoterra. And then mum's like, did you get a snake? I'm like, yeah, you said I could. And she's like, oh. <laughs> I thought we might have had a bit more of a conversation, but I'm like, well, you said yes. And then basically <laughs> from that point on, it was on um, Aussie Python's forum and just cruising forums and looking. And then me and my mate Hado again, who got the snake originally, went for a trip to the reptile park and they bought out this um, huge Darwin. And I was like, oh, man, I've got to get one of them. And I was like, snake ranch. Boom, bought the Darwin from Snake yeah. Ranch, got a scent. It was the most – so my jungle python was the com- complete opposite to a typical jungle. It was the most calmest snake, and then it bit me a handful of times. And then I got this Darwin, and it was basically – I thought it was the devil. Like any chance he got, <laughs> it bit. And then, you know, I was on trying to buy secondhand tanks, racks, everything, and I, I bought um, this uh, gecko rack. And I bought it in because obviously all these were in my bedroom and it fit the exo, big exo terror in it nicely. And by then my jungle had grown quite a bit and it could fit in the exo terror. And mum's like, what's that? And I go, 
oh, it's just a it's just a rack so that you know I can store like tongs in and gave her the old lie. <laughs> Didn't tell her That's that awesome. um, all the drawers contained knobtail geckos. So <laughs> they were all full. And then I built a rack and then I was like, I had my license for two years then. And then I was like, it's green tree python time. Got green yeah. tree pythons. And then I still remember mum basically was like, I know you've got more stuff in that room. I'm like, no, no, no. And then it got to the point where I was like, I had nowhere to like, I had to like, so I was sneaking snakes in and under my bed, I had like a, a heat, um, a heat cord taped to the floor and I had like all system of containers under the bed <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> and she's like, obviously back then you're young, your room's messy and mum comes in and cleans it. She's like, oh, I thought she didn't know. I'm like, yeah, I've got away with this. This is unreal. <laughs> and then, and then I'm, got a bigger room out the back that was off the back of the garage. So I kind of had like the garage as like a, a living room. And then I yeah. set up a big display enclosure for like the green tree pythons and that. And I thought, oh, yeah, I've got away with this. Mum doesn't know I have all these snakes. And I'm like, far out. When am I going to keep them all? And then it was moving. She goes, don't forget to get all the containers out from under your bed too. I'm like, oh, she knows about them. But then from that point on, it was basically like, she's like, look, don't get any more snakes into your own house. And then. And we moved. I, I did a stint in the mines up in uh, Cessnock, and me and my my wife now we moved up up there. And basically, from then on, it was like I started breeding stuff. And you know, when you breed stuff, you trade stuff, and you sell something, and then that money you buy snake money. You yeah. basically buy more snakes with it. So from that point on, and then it wasn't until we bought a house. Um. We ended up moving in with her parents and I had to sell, sold the snakes, green tree pythons because there was just no room. Like, And obviously I didn't want to keep snakes at their house. It wasn't my house. So um, they let me keep some geckos though. So I had I had um, like a couple of exoterras set up. I, had the, I already had the chameleon geckos by then as well. So or one chameleon gecko. Um, and then, yeah, basically that's pretty much where the gecko obsession started was when I got I got some leaf tails first. I got some Swaney first. I've never actually kept the broad tails because basically I could yeah. walk outside and they were on the wall. So I was like, I don't really want to keep them when they're just outside. So, yeah, that's where the obsession with the gecko started. And then when we bought a house, there was a shed out the back and built a wall in the middle of it, insulated it, and that's where all the geckos were. And the missus is like, you've got more geckos? And I'm like, no, I don't. She's like, yeah, you do. I know. That one you didn't have last week. That one you didn't have last week. Oh, sorry. And then I was like, oh, well, I bred some and then I traded some and then sold some and then bought some. So, and then here we are today and I don't have anything. And yeah, but hopefully that changes soon. Oh, I think it will. I think it will. I think it will That's too. That's so funny. It's, it sounds like such a familiar story, right? Like, in all honesty, I've got this young fella that's working at the shop with me now. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I'll just give you a bit of back history. I actually work in a reptile and aquarium shop. So, yeah, anyway, there's this young fella there, Elliot, and, you know, he's he's about to turn 17, but basically his, his whole bedroom's now got reptiles left, right, and center. And, you know, he saves up his money, he buys a new exoterra, and he puts this in there or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, his mum was never a fan of snakes, but uh, he came home with a, a woma. South Australian Womer of all Womers. Wow, yeah. Little hatchling. And, you know, mum's like, how big is this going to get? And, you know, he kind of gives it the, oh, yeah, three oh, foot, yeah. you know, like it's only a little one sort of thing. Yeah. 
and I, I accidentally outed him at work. So before he actually worked with me, he came in with his mum and his mum's like, oh, you know, Elliot watches YouTube videos and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, like, do you have any reptiles at home? And he's like, yeah, I've got a South Australian Woma. And I'm like, oh, cool. How big is it now? And he's like, oh, you know, it's about 50 centimetres. And I'm like, you know, it's going to get real big, right? And he's like, shh, you know, giving me the <laughs> mum doesn't know sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I've, I've just over the last kind of, Man, six months or so, I've just watched his collection just spiral where he's just starting to get a few different cool critters. You know, he's got like angle-headed dragons. He he bought some of the um, northern sedge frogs off me. You know, like he's yeah. he's getting kind of a bit of a variety in there and stuff. He's got a he got one of the pygmy banded Stimpsons actually from – or pygmy banded spotteds. I can't even remember which ones they are. The pygmy banded python uh, yeah. from uh, uh, I think Christy Jensen from the Natural Herb Keeper and stuff. So, yeah, it's kind oh, of cool yeah. to hear just like the the – the similar stories are out there, right? You know, it all, it all goes somewhere for, for everybody. And I think kind of like yourself in a sense, you know, I kind of went away from geckos for a fair whack of time, but I've gone full circle and come right back into them again. So yeah. Yeah. They're definitely yeah. interesting. I'll tell you what, that um, natural herb keeper, that um, some of their enclosures are amazing. Yeah. Phenomenal. If um, anyone's on social media, check those guys out. They're, um, yeah, some of that. What's is it? What's what are the names? Um, uh, it's Chris. I think it's Christy Jensen and it's Matt Somerville. Yeah, so, just check out those guys on um, Instagram. And man, some of their yeah. some of their enclosures. Basically, I thought because I think Matt Somerville's uh, he does a lot of photography too. I believe. I think. I think he does. Yeah, like I believe so. Yeah, and I some of these pictures, I was like, I thought they were just his herping pictures, but they're his enclosures. So, yeah. Just yeah, yeah, like he's got the cracked the cracked soil. Um, yeah, I believe, oh, and he's got like a a brown snake. I think it is. Yeah, sure. some type of That's yeah, absolutely unreal. Yeah, I, I remember like one of his one of his enclosures that I'm completely inspired by is his green tree python enclosure. Yeah, like it just looks like a s- snapshot of nature, and it's just like perfectly yep. replicated. It's, yeah, you know, I've got that picture saved in my phone, and I look at it. I'm yeah, like, hmm, if I set up an enclosure for green tree python. Yeah, what do I do? I'm like, That's exactly right. what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And is is it his um own Pelly Python enclosure as well? Does he have that one? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah he does. Oh, I think I don't amazing. know if he's got one or two, but yeah, he's got yeah. A, well, he's got at least got one. But yeah, yeah. and it's got like a, the the full kind of like nest boxes or whatever that are kind of off the side of the enclosure, I believe, where you can actually access them when they're inside the rock, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was pretty Man. cool. It's amazing, like looking back to when I got in to how much keeping's changed, like. The direction that yeah. it's going like i mean obviously there is still the need for things to be kept in tubs and racks and everything else especially if you're a breeder like on a, on a bigger scale but if you're you know like me like you cut down your numbers and you got the smaller you know smaller number of animals you can keep them that way but with you know it's amazing like especially some of the products that are available now um oh, for for reptile keeping is insane like the UV lights for all the um for your plants um yeah and you can like buy all your um cleanup crew just from like a pet shop now some of the pet shops just have you know springtails yeah yeah it's 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 pretty crazy how it comes I mean I still definitely notice that like majority of people that come through our shop are are generally more like your novice keepers and things because yeah you know um in in new south wales here in a pet shop you're actually only allowed to sell i think it's about 15 different species of reptiles and most of them are kind of like your your anteresia carpets a couple of basic dragons blueies a couple of basic turtles knobtail geckos like it's nothing that's like really 
left of field that you could still have on your R1 license. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely seeing a trend starting to push into like the more natural keeping of, of reptiles. So we started stocking uh, fish organics uh, bioactive kits at work, which kind of come with like a drainage layer, you know, a bit of fly screen, some, yeah. you know, cocoa, cocoa peat, leaf litter, and it comes with a box of cleanup crew essentially in there. Wow. So it comes with like yeah. springtails, worms, slaters, all that's kind of in the box. And you just take this box off the shelf and take it home, whack it into an enclosure and you're, you're pretty much golden. So yeah. to be able to see something like that on a shelf now, like, yeah, that's definitely I know it's, it's big in the US. Um, like you've got your mm. like there's places you can just buy stuff online and get basically a whole kit sent to your house. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's definitely it's I I just enjoyed the aesthetics of it really. Like and I kept Nephirus in um, in drawers, um, but I never saw them. But you know, yeah. I like to I like to I like to go in my room over night time. I know people say red lights are bad for reptiles, but, you know, I'd go in there with a headlamp on with a red light on and just, you know, watch, watch them hunt, watch them eat. And that's the thing. We're like with um, with the chameleon geckos, they're super shy. If you walk into the room, they will literally freeze and won't move until you leave, especially if you've got the light on. But it got to a point where I could walk in with a red headlamp on and I could actually watch them hunt. So that was pretty cool. Um, That's awesome. I saw some um, mating behaviors, like the the male bite and the female's tail. I never saw them lock up though. That would have been something I would have loved to yeah. have seen. But shedding. But yeah, when I first got them, it was or got. I had one to start with, and it took me years to find a female. Um, but yeah, you know, like they just freeze, and it. I was like, oh, I just want to see these things. You know, basically like they would be in the wild but be able to keep them in my garage essentially and yeah it's so cool just having that like little snapshot of nature in your house right like i think it's just something that most people kind of find calming and i I, kind of get that from fish tanks a lot right like especially in the fish tank or aquarium kind of hobby a lot of people love that kind of natural looking fish tank you know they try to do like amazonian biotopes and stuff like that where it just looks nice and looks like a snapshot of nature and there's definitely a trend now that's kind of pushing that way into reptiles and yeah. I'm definitely getting a kick out of that, you know. Like I've got these uh, ciliaris aberrants up in the bedroom and I'm, I'm looking at one of them just sitting on the branch kind of giving me those goofy eyes right now like he's like going to you know, chuck a cricket, cricket in there? Cricket cricket. Yeah, yeah. 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 I've got to be careful with these guys up here. I have to tongue feed them crickets because if they let one loose and it starts, you know, chirping. Oh, it's in your bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care about it. I actually find it quite soothing but my wife on yeah. the other hand, yeah. The geckos would be gone pretty quick. Yeah, well, that's the that's, yeah. Okay, well, that was the handy thing about having a detached room from the house. The crickets, you yeah. could hear, like you couldn't hear them in the house. But I mean, my yeah, my wife wasn't too fussed with the crickets chirping, except for maybe she got woken up and she had a bad sleep. Then she was like, "Oh, this was when we had them in the bedroom when we yeah. were um, at the other house." But she was like, "Oh, there's bloody crickets." But I mean, you know, when they're not your animals. It kind of gets annoying, so yeah. yeah. But I um, that. Mm. it's 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 one of those things, you know. I think my passion is just kind of overflowing, and unfortunately, I need to maybe squeeze a few more, for more animals or upgrade animal spaces and stuff. So, yeah, I dare say I'll have another couple of leaf tails. The the hashling wyberber that I got out this year, actually, I, I, they'll probably put them up here and in the exoterras as well, and give yeah. them a little space. And it'll be cool to watch those, you know, because when they're when they're in you in your bedroom or something if you're hanging out in there a lot you get to see a lot of different behaviors 
Yeah. Well, that's what I, I found good before I had kids. I'd just come down here and clean a few things and feed and have a nice cold beverage and just basically yeah. sit there and watch them and then even turn the Miss King on and just, you know, watch them drink off the leaves. Like I, my leaf tails, I, I'd see maybe once or twice drink out of a water bowl, but because I had the Miss King, they had their favorite perching spots under a log or on the, on the back. I use, um, instead of making backgrounds, I actually bought cork tile backgrounds. So yeah. basically it was, um, cork bark that basically looked like a tree trunk essentially. Um, and they'd have their favorite spots to sit on there. And the Miss King would shower all the leaves on the plants with water and they just drink straight off the water most of the off the um plants most of the time. So um but that was pretty cool it's, to see. It's it's awesome being able to do that and just kind of see that behavior, right? Like uh my wife, she she likes to watch a lot of this cruddy TV as I like to call it. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I do the same as you where I just go and have a beer, have a whiskey, walk around yeah. the hotel room, go and see the rough scale pythons hanging off vines and go yeah, see all the leafies cool. running around and yeah. You know, you get to I see miss all the Yeah, they're unique, those rough scale pythons, man. I remember the first time when I bought my pair, having that run through my hand, I was like, is this even real? Like you're used to growing up as a kid and getting told like snakes are slimy. They're obviously not slimy, but, you know, they've got that feel because of the, their scales that they feel like they're slimy, but then you hold a rough scale python and it's like, man. And the story behind getting those things into the hobby is crazy. How long it took yeah. them to find them and the money that went into that. And now like there's, I never bred them, but um, you know, they're relatively easy to breed from what I've heard. And the numbers. In captivity, in yeah. Yeah. Compared to the U S like, Obviously, in New South Wales, they're on the R2 license. Um, but, I mean, there's no need for them to be on an R2 license. They're basically just like all the other carpets. Um, but, yeah, they're just unreal, unreal. Yeah, awesome and snakes. To, yeah, and it's good to see the Ampelis in, in captivity too, um, done the right way as well. But um, they're definitely in some good hands from what I can see. You know, there's a few people getting around with them like uh, – Matt Somerville, I think Steve Crawford down in SA, he's got some as well. Yep. Um, Darren Boswell, I think I've seen him. Oh, okay, yeah. Yep. You know, there's a few guys getting out there. I've, I've joined on that uh, Owen Pelly Keepers group or whatever it's called. Yeah, I'm on that as well. As soon as I saw it, I was like, I've got to be on that. Yeah, you know, I can't keep these things, but, you know, at the same time, it's nice to be able to, to watch other people keeping them and just learning what they're going through along the way and stuff, seeing how they're treating them and, and all the rest yeah. of it. But, yeah, what a cool species. Yeah, and then you've got the NPR radio guys coming over on their Australia trip and just stumbling across a while. Like, dude, that, that actually cheesed man, me off. I was so listening much. to that story. I was like, I don't hurt, but I'm like, man, that's like the ghost. And they come over and <sighs> just stumble. Pretty much listening to the story, they pretty much stumbled across that thing. Yeah, it was all because Eric lost his phone or something and they had to go yeah, for it. Went back. Night, didn't they? Yeah, they Yeah. As a, that was crazy. I, I was up there like maybe three weeks before him. Yeah. And you know, I was in the same sort of areas and stuff and, and looking around for a few snakes and stuff here and there. And I literally found bugger all. Like I got a couple of water pythons, saw the crocs on the croc tours and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was just it was just too dry. I, I reckon it was just too dry. I just needed another couple of weeks of the humidity to kind of build up. And yeah. 
you know, they, they did put in some serious hours too because generally when I go on those yeah. trips, it's kind of like a half herb, half holiday type situation yeah. with my wife. Yeah. So there's only so much dragging her out of bed and going to look for snakes and rock, rocks and stuff that I can do. So. Yeah, exactly, especially up there with that temperature as well. Oh, man, I remember being up at uh, Neuralangy during the middle of the day. It was probably about 1.30 in the afternoon yeah. and I had just like, you know, big bloodstone work boots on because it was just yeah. nice and com- comfortable. And they're safe as and well. The- yeah, and the bottom of my soles on my shoes were getting gummy on the rocks. Wow. Like I was f- physically feeling tacky, and I was like, man, I wish I brought my temp gun so I could actually temp gun this and see what this rock work was at because I reckon it'd be up towards the 100 mark, hey, um, degrees Celsius I'm talking yep. as well, not not Fahrenheit, but it was seriously hot. Yeah, really hot. and you see dragons running on that, and you see monitors running on that. Obviously, monitors love it hot, but, but yeah, that's – um. Yeah, that's that's, well, that's crazy. I think a lot of it too, though, wouldn't be at that kind of peak of the day. It would be kind yeah, of like exactly. a few, hour, few hours after sunset. Oh, sorry, a few hours after sunrise and, yeah, before sunset sort of thing. So, yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was, I love going to these kind of places where, you know, some of the animals I keep come from, you know, like finding water pythons in the wild. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, going to the habitat where I looked in a million trees and didn't find Gil and I, you know, like but being able to be <laughs> yeah. there and looking for them and, and seeing right. where they are living, you know, yeah, like that was yeah. fantastic as well. Yeah, no, that's one thing I need to start doing is, you know, when the kids are a bit older is going on those trips and looking for some of those stuff. So getting a bit of bit more herpy, some photography, get back into the photography when I get time as well. So I reckon you'd be in a pretty good area to, to do some up your way as well, actually. You get quite a few good species around you. I think you get the... You get the broadhead snakes up there. You get plenty of adders. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm not the most um, confident person on IDing venomous snakes. So if it's not a diamond python, I'll just happily take a picture of it and leave it there. Yeah, I know what death adder looks like, but yeah. But um, no, we get and we get some cracker diamonds up here too. Yeah, the old Gosford locality. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading about them years ago, and I, I thought it was like a. It was a, a line or something that someone produced. I didn't realize they were actually talking about the wild diamond pythons in our area. They're probably yeah. some of the most beautiful diamonds that actually yeah, that I'd, are around. I'd have to agree with you there. We, we get some pretty good ones here because uh, for the listeners at home, Jason and I are kind of like on opposing sides of a, a watercourse essentially. So um, I'm on the northern beaches of Sydney where I'm kind of near like the West Head Point sort of thing which overlooks over to the central coast um, and on that kind of point, you get some really nice-looking diamonds. They're kind of like those real bright yellows and things like that, whereas down kind of closer to other areas around here, we've got like the Warrywood wetlands and stuff, and those diamond pythons down there, they're really dark. You know, they, they definitely change in the look as they go down there. But, you know, those Gosford locality up your way, they are yeah. meant. And for anyone wondering, like for me to drive to like Luke's area, it would take me about an hour and a half, but... As the crow flies, it would only take about 20 minutes, you reckon? Yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. about 20 minutes. So it's like all the way around the watercourse and all the way back up and around. But it's literally only like 20 minutes if you were to go straight. So yeah, it's it not, makes you not wonder, too far you know, away. Like, it makes you wonder, you know, down thousands of years ago, did a few of these snakes either come down over there or, you know, did they, did the, you know, what was the water level doing, you know? Yeah, yeah well, you've I, got, I think about that all that stuff all the time. Well, you've got the like your Darwin pythons, and then you've got your um, what are they? What are they now? Are they they changed the name recently? Um, and IJs, carpets, yeah, Papuan carpets. Yeah, now. they look yep. pretty much identical. Yeah, and, and obviously crazy. green tree pythons, which 
um, uh, Daniel Natush just separated. But he said, "Well, there was he was did the paper? Did he do the paper? I think he did. Yeah. So I'm now, sure he did, yeah, yeah, they've just been basically split, which is um pretty interesting. So yeah, and then you think about everybody that's been hybridizing them both here and overseas. You know, yeah, with, without knowing, but you know, it's uh, it's interesting to kind of know. Well. Technically, they are two different species, apparently. So. Yeah, well, that goes with a lot of different gecko species too. Like you've got some of your stroths, oh, yeah. like some of those. Like you look at one locale and the other locale and like didn't they just um, split up, uh, what are they called, Tatellas? I think so, yeah. Yeah, like into, yeah, like like into quite a few groups, I believe. But you're like, you look They've at some of them. Heaps. Yeah. Like the like, the Aridura, Aridura got split up heaps. Not yeah, exactly. Well. Yeah, and you look at some of the like even some of your strophs. You look at some of the like Ciliaris, for instance. You look at Ciliaris, the color range from Ciliaris on the locales from like all through the central Australia, they look completely different. So no doubt on some of those Ciliaris that they're separate as well. If someone yeah. obviously you know put the time in to do it, but. I don't have the brains all the time or the qualifications to do that. I'm just a guy that loves his geckos. So. Just a dude in a shed that's about to be filled with bioactive enclosures. Yeah, no. Hopefully uh, my wife stopped listening at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon she's got an ear to the door, mate. She's, yeah. she's going to no, want she's, to know all the guys straight up. Me, she was texting me before, so. <laughs> can she hear you from the room that you're in nah nah unless she oh maybe if she walked out on the back deck she probably could but but yeah nah she knows what's coming she shared the she shared the um page for the um for the podcast on facebook and she oh, basically cool. said at the end so does this mean we get more reptiles i think i mentioned that earlier and then her sister yeah, yeah. commented ha ha yes so <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah but yeah it's just one of those things man like it's just a passion um for lack of a better words and i'd and my wife loves animals as well. Like she's she's a big bird person, loves birds. We've got birds, um, dogs. Like she loves all animals. So it's not that she's yeah. scared of snakes or anything like that. It's just that we I didn't have the time to do it. So, no, so that's yeah. fair enough too, you know. And and I think she knows what she's kind of signed up with you. You know whether whether you got them now or you don't or something like that. I think it's the same as my wife. You know, once, yeah. once you, we were married and, you know, been doing it for so long. It's kind of like she just expects it now. Like it's, yeah, exactly. it's not going to change anytime soon. Yeah, that's right. So, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So even uh, just, yeah, just to get back into it and watch them, watch them do their thing. So, so yeah. It's unreal. Do, uh, yeah. I'm really excited to see where you go with this too because, like, I think – you know, coming back into the scene, like I'm not sure what your plans are, but I'm not sure if you're going to start doing some of like your own background work and stuff like that in your enclosures versus buying backgrounds or something, you know, like yeah. uh, uh, do you, what do you reckon you're going to do? Do you reckon you're going to get creative and get into it yourself? If I was going to buy a background, there's only one type of background I'd buy and they're super expensive and you'd barely see them. Um, yeah, right. So probably just build my own ones, I'd say. Get, have a yeah. crack and, you know make it my own but knowing me I'll, I'll build it and you know it'll look good but i won't be happy with it for some reason you know that's just no, that's, that's just the yeah. ocd but yep. yeah it's just yeah i don't know it's one of those things i've ocd there's when been, it comes to tanks and sets setups and everything else so there's an easy fix to that problem though do you know what it is you buy What's another that? tank 
I start again. Another background. No, you don't start again. You just fill it with another animal. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you do have those 14 enclosures behind you that your wife didn't want. So <laughs> if she is still listening, she can blame you for, for this. Well, I, I told you I was going to be a bad influence. There was no doubt about <laughs> yeah, it. You know? Exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm going to get you back for all this because now <laughs> I'm on the crown proud owner of what 25 odd exoterras so yeah you know and that, that's not including all the other big stuff though the kind of custom stuff that i've built and other bits and pieces around the joint as well so yeah no, i'm, exactly. I'm going to achieve this you just wait. Oh, mate i'm prepared i'm 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 not obliging to it so i'm yeah. getting pushed on me I'm do, do you reckon you're going to try out that um do you reckon you're going to try out doing the that same sort of like foam and tiling uh, what do you call it? Tile pointing method that yeah, definitely. Kind of I've become popular of late. So with my chameleon geckos, I did build backgrounds for them. I used the expander yeah. foam, um, shave the expander foam, silicon timber in it. Um, yeah. The only thing I found was I had moss on the back wall. The moss was growing. I had the moss growing, spreading. That was before I put the geckos in. The only thing I was worried about was the humidity being too high for them. Um, I mean, not that I know. I've never been up there, so I don't really know how high the humidity was, but I had already got eggs out of my female before I switched her into a bioactive enclosure. So I didn't want to mess up too much. And, you know, all I had was um, cocoa peat, basically. It still looked good. It had plants in it, but I had the pots just buried in the cocoa peat. So I still have plants yeah. everything in it, but um, I didn't want to have it too much, too much humidity. Like the moss still, still kind of lasted um, for a little bit, but once I turned the misting system down a bit, because um, I didn't want that soil drenching wet, because they'll tend to yeah. hide under. But what I found the, the best hide was basically just a, the plastic sources, cut a little hole in it, yeah. and then she would lay eggs in the same spot every time in the bio. So I knew I'd just go dig and pull the eggs out. Heaps of the knobtail keepers and stuff use those little plastic sources as well. Hey, I was using a fair bit of those back in the day, especially if you get one that was pretty deep and just cut a little hole in the side and yeah. go for gold, essentially. They were, and the they were terracotta cool. ones were good for the knobtails because you could soak the terracotta yeah. as well as the sand underneath and then they'd have that little moist hide and then you'd yep. have the dry hide over the other side. That's what I used to do yeah. with mine. But then they brought out those um, like terracotta ones, these little water bowl on the top. That was, yeah, that was the perfect hide, essentially. It was like it was just yeah. made for them. Yeah. And then the, the water, essentially, in the top of the hide kind of like leached down through the walls and it just kind of stayed nice and humid in there the whole time. Yeah, that yeah. was perfect. Yeah, definitely. But no, nah, I think I think I will will build it. I'll probably go down the, the foam route and um, maybe, yeah, the tile route and um, paint it, try and make it look like basically where they're from. Um, yeah. Probably, yeah, get a bit of inspiration from your channel and and that. So I like that's that. Good, I like, yeah, it's good stuff. Hey, like I have to, yeah. I have to give him a quick shout out here, but I have to thank Cam uh, from Cam's Custom Backgrounds because he's the one that actually put me onto the foam and the tile pointing originally. I think he got it from um, uh, another one of his mates that he's closer with, uh, Greeny. I know him as Greeny. I think it's Shane Greenman or something like that. But uh, yeah, those guys have been using this method for a little while. And I think the, the, yeah. the benefit to that foam is it's quite dense. So when you do yeah. cover it with the tile pointing, it actually stays super rigid. So it does yeah. feel really hard. Um, and the tile pointing itself 
got a little bit of elasticity to it as well. So then, you know, it doesn't have that kind of cracking that grout does. You know, a lot of yeah. the grout stuff does tend to kind of crack away over time, especially if you move an enclosure or something and you kind of upset the balance. Then yeah. It can be a little bit dodgy there. So, yeah, I'll probably look at doing that, I think. Um, yeah, using that foam and going from there. So, but, yeah, it'll be interesting. Is it, did I read somewhere that the Castle Hill Reptile Expo is on in May? Have you heard Penrith, anything about I think, that? I think it's. Penrith. I think. It's I, I, I want to say it was Penrith in May. Yeah, I have. I yeah. have seen that. I was only talking to. I had a, I had a friend, uh, Jenny Lucas. She was around here yesterday. She, giving me some surplus wood roaches, which I'm very thankful for. But yeah, no, um, Penrith Reptile Expo in May. I want to say it was the end of May. Maybe around twenty twenty third or something. Twenty twenty third. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So um, I might have to might have to go check that out. Take the young fella down there and have a wander around. Catch up then. Yeah. That sounds like yeah. a good, good time to go and have a bit of a catch-up, a bit of a chat. Instead of early in the morning or late afternoon when... Yeah, down the train station. Yeah. Gordo train station. Gordon train yeah. station, yeah. So, but yeah, nah. A few mix down there. Yeah, I'd have to... I'm, I'm pretty keen to go along to that because, yeah, I think someone someone posted a picture up that it was on. So, I mean, what since, since COVID, like, we've had nothing. No reptile expos. Yeah, I went to that last one in May, the the Penrith Reptile Expo in 2020, uh, yeah. where Dave Kaufman and Kenan Harkin and stuff came out. Man, meeting. Yeah, I didn't go to that. That would have been unreal. Yeah, yeah. I purposely, <laughs> I went all out. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wear because I've got one of Camp Kenan's shirts. shirts yeah, here. I'm, yeah, I'm going to wear, that, yeah. wear this and see if I can, uh, you know, get his, get his attention. attention, so to speak, so I can have a yarn. Yeah, yeah, got to chew his, chew his ear off for 15 yeah. minutes or so, which was awesome. Um, and because um, he yeah, was that, in that was the, the BMX one. game, wasn't he? Matt Hoffman's BMX. Yeah, he was yeah, actually yeah. in the game. Yeah. I remember playing as him, and I was like, we're watching his YouTube channel. I'm like, and then I saw his intro. I'm like, and then it clicked. I was like, oh my god, man! I remember playing as him when I was a kid. Yeah, crazy how times change, right? Mm. You know, who knows? But yeah, no, that that that's the next expo that's coming up. I believe there's also, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Illawarra Expo, I want to say, is in October, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yep. I know I'll have to see a little bit more about that, but I thought there was actually going to be um, an expo there as well, which I think I might head down to that one because it's a little bit closer to me than it is to you. But yeah, yeah, you know, yep. I, I might, I might even try to make a weekend of it. You know, keep the keep the wife yeah. happy or whatever. Stay overnight somewhere yeah. down there. And- I've never been to that expo. I've been. I don't think I've been to the Penrith one actually. I've been to the Castle Hill one and the Central Coast one, but. Um, and the one they yeah, used to have I, in Newcastle, I used to, I went to that one as well. But I think uh, Illawarra and the Penrith one, I think they're a little bit bigger. Yeah, I've heard the, I've heard the Penrith and, one's big. Yeah, Penrith one's generally pretty good. Um, yeah. I think they're all good in their own right, don't get me wrong. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's good I to have it. It was good at that, that point just before COVID, the year before COVID. There was like, yeah, there was like five or six different reptile expos to go to in New South Wales, I think it was. That was unreal. It's funny too. You kind of get to the stage where you you go there almost not to buy animals or anything like that. You go there more for like the social aspect of it. Yeah, I don't well, think I, I ever find bought, myself doing that. I don't think I ever bought anything from an expo. I just go there to see, you know, people that you talk to online, like Rick Worthy from Worthy Geckos. I'd go there, have a chat with him, right. see his stuff. Um, he only lives not too far away from me. But, um, you know, I'd see his stuff and then go and see basically what everyone was, you know, like you see stuff on social media, but see stuff in the flesh, some of the blue tongues that people were popping out, um, carpet pythons yeah, that they were popping out. Crazy unreal. stuff, right? Yeah, unreal. Yeah, it was just good to walk around, see some of the stuff that you 
didn't really get to see too much of. Um, yeah, like some of the frog stuff, you don't like, I never really saw too much frogs, too many frogs before. I've obviously seen them in a while, but you know, without, I never kept, kept frogs. So, you know, going and seeing all the different types of frogs they had and all that stuff, it was, you know, good to just wander around, but you'd have to get there early. If, if you wanted to buy something, yeah. you'd have to, you'd have to be lined up at the door to get there early. But I mean, most of the good stuff at those places are already sold before they even, anyone even gets there. So, yeah, well, that's, uh, have you ever vended at one of these expos? No, nah, never. I was going to vend the Central Coast one, and yep. then that's when COVID hit, and then that's when I basically, after that, I was like swamped with work. So we didn't slow down in COVID for work. We were just classes in Central through. Service. So, yeah, we basically plowed on through. If anything, we got busier. So we were doing like working in the city, 10-hour days in the city, on top of yep. a two-hour, one-half, one-and-a-half, two-hour commute each way. So, you know, there goes most of your morning. I'm up at like 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm not home till 6 o'clock at night, 6.30 at night, you know. Yeah, that's a long so, day. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I never never really, you know, yeah, got the chance to do it. But I wanted to vend that one. But, um, yeah, and then oh. COVID hit and, yeah, just too busy. So I've vended a few a few expos now and I can definitely say that, you know, most of the wheeling and dealing of all the good stuff, you know, that happens about 8.30 before the doors open at 9, you know. You, yeah. You kind of get get in there and you race around, you set up your table and you're like, yeah, shit, I've got to go and check out what everybody's got, you know. Yeah, go yeah. Stick, stick, stick your head over, go see what Rick's got, go over to whoever else, you know. like, And it's crazy how many, like, there's there'll be people that go there to vend and almost just like sell off their collection. Like they're just getting out of the hobby sort of thing. So then they're yeah. just like the stuff that they have on their table might be completely left of field, you know, the stuff that you haven't seen before or whatever. And you're like, Oh man, it's just so many awesome animals go before the doors even open. Yeah. Cause the basic you got bloody pick a cream of the crop before anyone else gets in yeah. there. So. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's good to see coming back though. The expos. Yeah. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be good fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, even just for that social aspect. Hey, just be able to go and catch up with guys like yourself, and you know, I haven't seen anybody in years, really. No, so, exactly. I mean, I don't like I I've you know I don't really talk much on those you know Facebook pages or anything. I don't really talk much on Facebook anyway, so I kind of just cruise Facebook and check out some of the groups and Instagram. I love Instagram because you know basically it's just the picture right there. So, but yeah, yeah you know I never really chatted to quite a few people but it's good to you know meet people like you see you see these you know reptile pages and you see all these awesome animals but you never really like no one really ever shows their face and then it's yeah. like you see their table you see you know and then you get to meet the person have a chat with a person and all that stuff so it's good to put faces to names as well so and have a chat it's always good fun when you when you get to just talk reptiles for a day you know and i think it kind of purges your system almost you know and you can come home to your wife and you don't want to talk, talk about, about reptiles anymore, so that sort of thing. So she's happy for a good couple of weeks, and well, that's a good thing about this. We could talk about reptiles for you know as long as we want. We don't have to chew ear off of someone at work that has no interest in reptiles, like I tend to do. So, yeah. So you're pretty unlucky in that circumstance. Whereas I go to work and I can talk about reptiles to most. Yeah, exactly. They actually care, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I go to work. I'm like, oh, you should see this green tree python. And I'm like, mate, I don't care. I just want to do my work i'm like oh yeah sorry no <laughs> so yeah well i definitely know who i'll be calling on when uh when i do eventually get my own place to do some electrical work around my reptile room and maybe yeah. setting up some lights and some extra powerpoints and bits and pieces yeah, so. just give us a shout 
I'll, I'll yeah, sort it out, mate. Sort it out. So, mates, rates. Yeah. Mates. What do our <laughs> reptile money? Is that what we call it? Yeah, something like that. I think we just yeah put it on a tab. Or, yeah. You know, get a few leaf tables back or something like that. You know. Yeah. Uh, everything I've I've gone that you got is now back in my room now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, pretty much. You got to stop working for free. I'm not working for free. I'm working for reptiles. Yeah, working for lizards. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so fun. Yeah. Anyway, well, I think this was pretty successful. I reckon it was a good chat. I was enjoying it. Yeah, so. yeah no, definitely. Got a few guests lined up, so we'll uh, won't drop any names of anyone, but you know, it'll be good to get you know a good chat going in Australia on um, yeah. reptiles. So I was like, I used to always listen to Peter Birch's podcast when they used to do it back in the day, religiously. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I there's... think I've, I think I've listened to those podcasts like thirty times over. Yeah, I've listened like to them numerous times. Yeah, and then yeah. yeah, and then there's obviously yeah, they just there was a couple of couple of podcasts going, but I don't know, they just seemed to have stopped. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a podcast fiend. I like all day. All I do is listen to podcasts while I'm at work. Earphone in the ear, podcast on. Drive to work, podcast. Yeah. So well, we were only talking about this. Like, uh, so we're we're recording this on. On Tuesday the twentieth. Um, not sure when this is going to drop, but what was it? Maybe last Wednesday. I yeah. think we, was, we were talking about this, and we were saying how we pretty much all we do every week is we just belt the reptile podcasts and just yeah. listen to those, like all the Morelian Python radio guys, and you know carpets and coffee and all the other podcasts that they've got out there. And Jason put it forward to me, and he's just like, you know, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And I'm like, I love podcasts. I've never thought about really doing them, but at the same time. It's not one of those things I think you could ever jump in and just do by yourself. Oh, I think when it's yeah. like one one person talking, it's just uh, it's a little bit too difficult. So at least yeah. we kind of have that bit of bit of back and forth banter and stuff between us. And yeah, it'd be a bit different if you were breaking down a scientific paper by yourself or something like that. But you know, having a bit of banter and a chat—that's probably you know you can't I think really that's what do that by yourself unless you've got two personalities. But that'd be an interesting <laughs> podcast, wouldn't it? Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> split personality, yeah. split personality podcast. That'd be awesome. Mm. Yeah. So I. I will just kind of give Eric a massive shout out right now because, yep. um, well, the whole NPR network team, just because, you know, Jason and I both kind of hit, hit Eric up and we're just like, hey, you know what, like we're, we're thinking about doing a podcast. Can you give us any tips or any pointers or anything like that? And Eric basically turned around to us and goes, ah, the Australian exchange students over here, you know, just come under our wing and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll take you on a ride and and get you sorted so yeah big shout out to the npr network guys yeah um, definitely this is a fantastic opportunity yeah and i've been massive massive fan of their podcast since basically they, i don't think i listened to the first episode they're probably glad that we didn't listen to the first episode but um i but still yeah. mean to i still oh. want to go back and listen to eric in his bathroom i don't know whether it's on on the apple podcast i tried to find it the other day so i could listen to it but I don't know if it is. I said so the first episode I could find on the Apple Podcast app. I've already played it, so I don't know whether that was the first actual episode. But yeah, and then there's some other good good podcasts as well out there. But um, there just wasn't anything, you know, on the Australian side of things. You know, talking about the Australian side of the hobby. Yeah, there was for a little bit. Is there it- was a, a Unreal Reptiles. I think had a little podcast on. Um, not little podcast, but had a had a pretty good podcast. They were focused on anorexia. Um yep. that was pretty good. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just got too busy as as well and and stopped. But um, yeah, there just wasn't 
yeah, nothing else. But I mean, I'm probably not going to listen to my own podcast. Be a bit weird. Might be a little bit weird. Yeah. yeah, I might listen to the first <laughs> one. God, my God, I sound like an idiot. <laughs> I might I not do the podcast be... again after I listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not hope not. No. Let's hope not because we we want to try to turn this into kind of like a weekly, weekly exactly. affair. Because yep. you know, as J- Jason's just said, you know, uh, Australia. Whilst we've got a few other podcasts out there, I find that most of them tend to be on like a Facebook platform or something. A lot. Yeah the likes you know whereas yep. you and me we were talking about this where we like to be listening to a podcast as we're driving you know we don't need yeah. to see an image or anything like that and yeah not that there's anything maybe, wrong maybe. with images but i know i'm generally working or driving when i listen to a podcast so yeah like there was there's some other good video podcasts that i wish they'd just release the audio so i could listen to it but yeah I just yeah like even um, watch youtube he's got a uh, chris cupper he's yeah got the that's a good FNL. one yeah FNL chat. Um, yeah, that was quite cool. Um, I enjoyed going on that. Actually, it was quite good. To, yeah, to talk to Chris as well. So I've, um, I've watched a few of his, but yeah, I just don't have like um, I, I'm you know kids. I just don't have time to sit and watch watch the podcast. If he dropped that audio, that I'd probably just listen to while I was at work. Yeah, I'd definitely so. add it to the list for sure. But yeah, no, it's um, it's been a fantastic uh, oh, baptism of fire. Hey, cause yeah, like, you know. As soon as it kind of we got the green light, next thing I know, Jason's out there buying microphones, and I bought a <laughs> L, L cheapo dodgy off eBay, and I'm going, oh, this will These be alright. You know, relatively just, cheap though, compared to yeah, some, yeah, but. they well, well, compared to what I bought it, the, this one's ten times the price of the one that I bought <laughs> and for good reason. But yeah, uh, yeah ho- hopefully all the audio and stuff comes out. Yeah, clear now, so. but if you listen to the podcast and you like it, definitely, um, you know, like the page, leave a comment let us know if there's anything you want to hear let us know you know yeah we'd love any any sort of feedback out there yeah. would be appreciated good and bad so. yeah yeah like yeah be honest we've got thick skin so you know lucky we can take it yeah you're lucky this is a podcast not a video podcast because the light shining off my head right now would be blinding everyone so you know what though <laughs> it would get it would get eric burke really excited because he'd be going on about moon cycles Oh so, yeah, you can just moon cycle. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why yeah. you know I like the bio because you know I've got the moon cycle going on. But anyway, but yeah, yeah got the animals go crazy, that's crazy it. at night. But yeah, so if you, there's anything you want, you know, feedback in general, just just let us know. You know, we'd love to hear some feedback. And basically, we want to, you know, like Luke said, make this a weekly thing. So you know, try and make it as as good as we can. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, mate. Do you reckon? Yeah. Uh, we wrap this up for the first one. Yes, yeah, we go from there. It's moving on for an hour twenty. That's without the not bad for a first dig. Yeah, that's that's without the glitch that we had as well. So whatever was in front of that. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, the old Podfather can kind of merge those two recordings together. Yeah. So no, that flew by. Absolutely flew by. Yeah. So uh, definitely good. definitely good fun, mate. I was just uh, chatting to a mate. Oh, I mean, to be honest, whenever you and I meet up to swap animals or whatever's going on. Like we, we pretty much stand around talking animals for yeah, an hour or so. Exactly. Anyway, so, so it's pretty much all we're doing is just recording it, basically conversation. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, good but fun, yeah. good fun. All right, mate, do you want me to uh, wrap this up with the yeah, outro mate, now? Yeah, go for it. All right. Hopefully we don't butcher this first time. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, guys, we have to pay tribute to our podcast overlords, Eric and Owen, and if you'd like to contact them, it's best to find them at moreliapythonradio.com. And email them at info at moreliapythonradio.com. As far as contacting us and our social media platforms, you can email us at australianhopetoculture at gmail.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, to see more of what Jason is doing, make sure to follow him on Facebook and Instagram at The Gecko Effect. And as for myself, you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, and Teespring, all under Beaches Scaly Beasts. From both of us, we hope, we hope to have you back next week for another episode of the Australian Herpeticulture Podcast. Good night. Thanks, guys. Good night.